yeah, we have here uh, the happy bee of the fashion photography industry, Virginia Jancova. Is it all right? It's absolutely correct. Okay. <laughs> I sometimes have a hard time like with the spelling of your name, but I'm trying my best to make it... <laughs> Make it right. Actually, you're doing pretty fine. Many people are uh, really confused with it. That's why some people are just calling me Virginia Y. It's fine. Oh, me. so like with Gary Reed? Something Rhee. like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 19 of the Let's Talk Retouching podcast, where we talk with professional retouchers and industry leaders about all things post-production and retouching. Our guest today, photographer Virginia Jancheva, but also host of the Fashion Photography Podcast. As I mentioned before, this is episode number 19, first episode of 2019. Thanks for tuning in and please enjoy today's episode. We are starting with getting to know Virginia Jancheva. And hello, welcome on the show and how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm super fine. So if we started the interview a little bit earlier, you would hear my morning voice, which is super dark and rough, but it's going great. I hope I've lost mine. Yeah, you're sounding <laughs> fabulous, I can say. Thank so you. Um, for everyone who does not know you, maybe you can give us a brief introduction who you are, what you're doing. Okay, I think since it's a podcast about retouching, it's important to say that it was very hard for me to start actually talking. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it sounds funny, but um, I started talking when I was four. And before that, all my interaction with the world was through drawing. And actually, I started my life drawing and I did that for quite a long time so i started drawing from a very early age and i continued with that but somehow i always knew this is not my creative outlet it was taking too much time and i wasn't able to see myself doing this in the future so i started my love for photography <laughs> at a party at home through and they asked me to take a photo of them. So I took a very small camera, one of those point and shoot with film in them. Those cameras, you don't need to do anything on them. You yeah, just need to the, press the button. The, uh, one click and, and forwarding yeah. with the integrated flash. And that was it. Yeah. yeah. So I took that photo and it was my very first time shooting. And I suddenly realized that this is all that I want to do, because in this moment that you're not seeing the picture when it's all black, that's the moment you realize part of your soul is also on this film and it's going to stay there forever. But I kept quiet because we're three kids in my family. And in my family, everybody does whatever they want. My sister is a biologist. My brother is really into smart homes. And my parents, they're, they have their own business with transportation and I was a little bit lost because my sister was also, also into photography and I'm the middle kid. So what I've done my whole life until that moment was to try not to touch the other people's work and stuff. So I realized that this is what I want to do, but I kept quiet. So when I had to go to high school, all that I said in my country, I'm based in Europe and after the seventh grade, you have two types of exams. One is your native language and the other is mathematics. I'm good at both. 
But I said to my parents, I'm not going to these exams. And if you don't do that, uh, you're basically lost because you cannot go to high school. You just have to continue with the school that you're in. It's not really prestigious. So, so my parents were okay with this decision of mine, but they wasn't really super happy about it. So they tried to find a way and they actually found it in another school that was experimental or something like that. And for each and every specialty in it, you had to go through particular exams, which were not the native language and the mathematics. So I went there, there were very different specialties. And one of them was called audiovision. I had no idea what this is. So you and just stumbled into that basically. Yeah. And the other exams that I'm, I held was actually about drawing. So I was pretty secure that I'll have a spot there, but it's not what I wanted to. Uh, I went to consultation several times for the audiovision specialty and there was no <laughs> ready to answer what this is. So I just went to the exam, took it, and it turned out that I have an A result and I'm the first one accepted in the specialty. Later on, I realized that this is actually photography, cinema, audio, and uh, what else? I think that's it. And one specialty altogether, and you are picking what you want to specialize after the first year. So it turned out it was a little bit of luck, and uh, I was super happy to be there. So I started learning photography this way, and also cinema and audio. And I started working for magazines when I was 16, started shooting wow, for magazines. That's super young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I really wanted it. So my parents were amazing because they are still amazing, actually, because they were super open and they told me, we don't want you to work because we are happy to provide for you while you're still in the high school, but you find it. But if you find it interesting and important for you, you can go and shoot for those magazines. Because we had this long conversation that this is what I want to do and it's going to take me a lot of time to reach the goals that I have. So better not waste any time. <laughs> Start at 16. I think it's super important to have parents that actually yeah, support you and also comply with a vision that you might have, even though you, you are so early in, in, in your life. It's the same with models. So models usually are like super young when they get into the industry. And yeah, they sure. also have have to have parents that are super supportive. And I, just to get off here a little bit. So my parents had an old Pentax, a 35 millimeter camera with a 50 mm -hmm. 1.4 and all that. And they were super crap with taking pictures. But I always wanted to play around with that camera. And they were like, oh, just read this book and read this book. And then maybe you can use the camera. So it took me like. A lot of years until I finally got into taking pictures and when I could afford my own camera. But yeah, so you went into the school, which is mostly focused on education in terms of, I imagine you get a lot more hands on than in, in the regular schools and get prepared for working in the real world. Isn't, is that right? Absolutely. We were having teacher that was with us almost the whole time. We were in the dark room. We were shooting outside. It was super, super interesting, to be honest. We were having Photoshop lessons. And at that point, 
when I was already 16, the people in the magazine, they had no idea how old I am because I was super lucky. I was sending emails to different magazines and nobody answered. And a few months later, I got a phone call and the woman said that their photographer is pregnant and uh, she's going to give birth very soon. So they need another photographer and they want to see my portfolio. So I said, okay, I was super, super chill. <laughs> I, I hung up the phone and I went to copy my photos and to assemble some sort of portfolio. So I went on the meeting the next day and I was super lucky because she asked me for how many years I've been studying photography. And I was in the 10th grade, so I said, for three years. And she taught that I'm at the university. Uh, so it was, it was really luck. And when I turned 18, I went to, to the magazine and I just brought some sweets um, and said, girls, I'm having a birthday. These are for you. And they said, how old are you, are you now? I said, I'm turning 18 and they all freaked out. And the thing is, I was shooting and working with them on one floor and I was actually signing up my contract on another floor. So they had no idea about my age. And I think that was approximately the time when I thought that it's going to be a good idea to start working for an advertising agency. It was a brand new advertising agency and they had two or three clients and um, I was freelancing for the magazines. I wasn't there seeing all day. So they were calling me only if there is some person in particular to shoot some celebrity for the magazine or something like that. So I was going to school doing that and I thought it's going to be a great idea if I start working for the advertising agency. But the thing is they needed a retoucher and they were promising me to start photographing for them a little bit later. Uh, like a month or two after this, but I had to stay in the office and this was killing me. No, I'm just not meant to work in office. And that's so you had to retouch there. Yeah, I had to retouch there, which is so pointless because you can do it at home. Especially nowadays, I do not see a reason why, except for like the turnaround time when you have to be on set and deliver something. But on the other hand, it's like um, most pictures are getting retouched after the fact mm -hmm. and i can see how how it was killing you sitting there in the in the agency day after day after day getting things yeah. thrown at you not making your own decisions and then you you probably said okay at some point yeah i want to get out i want to shoot well i stood there just because they promised me to shoot <laughs> oh because, yeah that's yeah that's the agency world so yeah yeah so i i stayed there for just one month i wasn't able to <laughs> <laughs> to stay there for longer, but they were super okay with this. And this was the moment I realized I just cannot work in the office. So I started, um, I started university at that moment. It's very weird because I started learning for Italian teacher to become one just because um, the university had a program of exchanging, exchanging students with Italy and France. And I know Russian and I know English and I know my native language, but I don't know French nor Italian. So I said to myself, I want to go and be an exchange student. So I'm going to learn Italian. And I studied Italian for a whole year, 
then I switched to photography. I took two years for one. And I realized that if I go to Italy in the third year, I'm going to study the same thing that I've learned <laughs> the previous year. So I decided to stay. And uh, I was super, super bored. So at that moment, I was retouching a little bit for out of photographers. But the boredom was just so, so serious. <laughs> and it was a real struggle. So I decided to start assisting. Really happy to say that I've assisted some of the biggest names in my country. And I stick to one photographer for whole three years. It was super weird for all my colleagues at the university because in their eyes, I was already shooting for magazines and I was making a step back. I yeah, I can see that. Now it's time for a little commercial break. The show is brought to you by our retouching studio, boutiqueretouching.com, but also learnpostproduction.com, a school we hopefully will launch somewhere in the future. So if you want to stay informed with what's coming up there, head over to learnpostproduction.com and sign up for the newsletter. And something special here for this episode, the guys over at retouchingpanels.com decided to sponsor today's episode as they had just launched their website. So what is retouchingpanels.com? Um, it is a platform for them to showcase different tools and panels in Photoshop and give you feedback or present them in a way so you can compare different panels and what panel or tool can do versus the other ones and where you might want to spend your money depending on what you actually do in Photoshop. So I think it's a great idea. I wish them good luck with their launch and hope you guys can benefit from the information over there. So again, if you want to learn about that, head over to retouchingpanels.com and yeah, thanks again for them for sponsoring today's episode. Now let's get back to our conversation with Virginia. Uh, she has a lot to talk about and we will jump right back into our conversation, how it went on on university uh, while taking on real life clients. How is it to deal with that when people are basically picking on you for the choices you're making? Well, they weren't picking on me just because I was really delivering the whole time. So when you're doing your job in a very serious way and you're trying to be the best assistant out there, you are top performer at this, the university, they cannot pick on you. Did Don't you have really to ensure them to say, okay, you're seeing it wrong and I have this bigger vision of where I want to go and how this is benefiting me? To be honest with you, I've never felt obligated to explain myself to people. <laughs> I mean, I prefer to take this time and convert it into something positive and experience that I'll be learning from instead of explaining myself and telling people why I do that. If I see a point in something, I'm just going to dive into it. If I question myself, well, that's a different story. Because if I have some doubts about my my decisions and people are reflecting on that, I'm probably going to start asking myself. But I'm usually making very, very aware decisions. I mean, I'm reconsidering them before that. So I wasn't really caring 
what people at the university thought of me back then because I was really, really good. I wasn't just there to learn. I was there to provide. I was there to deliver. So I don't want to talk about myself like this, but the thing is I was really giving 150% of what I knew when I was assisting. And at the same time, I was giving a lot when I was studying. So I continued my MA in photography while I was working for this other photographer. And I had a really, really strong knowledge of the technicalities. So it was, I was very prepared as an assistant. So that was like the brief introduction and where it came from. And usually I start with how people got involved into retouching images. And you already mentioned you were in the dark room, right? That's right. And you got hands on with processing film and enlarging film probably. And maybe hands on retouching as well on the film negatives. Yeah. My biggest regret, to be honest with you, for my high school years is that I never got the time and the opportunity to retouch skin uh, using the old process. Well, I was enlarging, I was in the darkroom, and it's really magic to see how a photo is appearing in front of your eyes on the paper. Um, at the same time, we were having retouching classes and we were using Photoshop. So it was a big advantage, but... I told you about my drawing for a reason, because if you know how to draw, especially if you're drawing people, you need to know a lot of biology, a lot of aesthetics. You need to be aware of those stuff. You need to know how the body works. And I'm happy to say that I'm also dancing. So I'm really aware how a body can change. And uh, when we talk about retouching, sometimes people are making the mistake. They just don't have the education how yeah, body they, can work. They're changing the anatomy of, yeah. of the face maybe or how also in terms of the light um, that hits and changing the contrast of skin pores here but not on another area. Yeah, exactly. So I was really into drawing bodies and also into drawing graphics. So for graphics, you need to know a lot about light. So once I started retouching, I was really ahead because I already had this knowledge. And I think it's super essential for every retoucher to, to be aware of those stuff. Anatomy is very important part of the retouching, especially if you're working with people. Yeah, it is. And it also reminds me on it. I just recently had an interview with Glenn Dears, who came from bodybuilding and then could take all the knowledge and take it with him into photography because he was shooting a lot of physique stuff and he knew what is expected and what looks good in, in terms of body physiques, basically. And mm -hmm. I always say it is really beneficial to focus on a lot of things in life and you can draw from that later on. So have you done, basically, with taking your knowledge from graphics, lighting and taking it over into photography and also taking it over into retouching? Well, when you work as a photographer, you need to have a lot of common knowledge because you need to be able to do your lighting, to talk to your model, to talk in a very normal way uh, with your crew, for example, and to keep the 
the casual conversation going. But in order to do that, you need to know a lot of things. And at the same time for the retouching, it, it's exactly the same. I mean, you need to know a lot of stuff. You need to know how to market yourself. You need to know how to retouch. You need to know the basics of different programs, especially if you're a retoucher only, if you're not a photographer, you need to know how to keep someone else's style because you're working for other people. So you need to have your own, but at the same time, you, you need to know how to mimic somebody else's. And if you're going to work with somebody new, it's also important to know how to embed the things that they have already in their portfolio into your way of working. So I believe it's not a profession for every person out there. Yeah, it's true. We have that conversation a lot as a retoucher. If you are hired for your style or if it's basically just a service and you have to constantly adapt for your clients and what they want out of it. I am usually saying it's the service route. So you have to be flexible. You cannot just have this one style that you're good in. So you're not going to make money up if you are that. Yeah, simply because... If I'm a photographer coming to you because you're a retoucher and uh, I'm coming for you for your style, then another photographer is coming to you for your style. Well, in the eyes of the client, my style and the other's photographer and the other photographer's style, they're simply the same. So it's not beneficial for me to follow your style. Yeah. I need to know that you're having the knowledge on how to turn something into something new, maybe something that I have not expected or that I haven't come up with. But basically, you need to follow my lead. Yeah. If I'm the photographer coming to you. That, I see the same way. And let's just keep on this topic a little bit. So what do you think is generally expected or what are the expectations of a photographer outsourcing retouching work in general? Well, One of the most important things is definitely the time and, of course, the quality. Those are the two things that we cannot negotiate. <laughs> I mean, maybe the time a little bit, but if you're having a plan for your photography and if you know when the editorial, for example, is going to come out, you need to have some sort of strict guideline. So for you as a retoucher to follow my lead on that, I need to be very specific I don't think the conversation between a photographer and retoucher is just a one-way street. We both need to be very open. We both need to be very specific. So I think from my experience of working with retouchers, which is not a very wild experience, to be honest with you, because as I mentioned, I started working with classical methods. So I started working with analog photography, which means that you're paying for each and every click. And when you're in the high school, it's a lot of money. <laughs> so you're rethinking each and every photo that you're making. And I do the same right now, even though I'm shooting uh, digital for many, for many, many years, I'm still considering each and every photo. And I don't click the button just because I want to try something or because I want to see my exposure. I know what my exposure is and I'm clicking only when I need the certain frame. So when I do my photography, I'm very specific. And what I'm trying to do is to have everything that I need before I click the button. So my retouching is very, very limited. And that's the reason why I don't work a lot with many retouchers, simply because 
the retouching process is super fast and I can do it by myself. I still can kind of suffering with that <laughs> lately because when you have too many projects to work on, the yeah, retouching running time out of is time. very limited. Yeah. yeah. The problem here is exactly what you said a few minutes ago when they're only caring about their own style. Because if you don't want to work with me in, f in the future, all you have to do is to care about your own style. But if you want to have a long-term relationship with certain client, photographer, whatever, you need to be caring what they think and whether they like the image. So I think sending proofs during the process is so much more efficient and uh, it's going to, be, to bring you the best results and it's going to make those people feel more special and like you really want to work with them in future. We now talked a little bit about the conversation people have to have is between photographer and retoucher. And you also mentioned you you did a podcast, which by the way, we have to mention you are also the host of the fashion photography podcast. And That's right. you said you could provide an episode for our listeners, which we will put in the show notes that deals with the communication between photographer and retoucher. Exactly. I have uh, prepared for your listeners, especially like a short episode of what I think is a mistake when you're sending an email to a photographer that you haven't worked with and some guidelines on how to improve your emails and how to get those clients. That's super great. So we will put the link in the show notes for our listeners. And thank you for that already. And when I talked about the fashion photography podcast, so what was the idea behind that? By the way, we will also put the link to your new website of the podcast in the show notes. So maybe you can talk just briefly about how that came to be. Thank you for that. Yeah, the website is brand new and I brand new and I truly love it. So actually, the idea behind the fashion photography podcast wasn't mine. It was George's idea. We're doing this podcast together. I talk about George very often, but nobody knows details about him. <laughs> so George is simply my soulmate. This is the way I can, I can reveal everything about him on my point of view. I know it does not mean a thing for you, but George is the person who is next to me for, I think already seven years or something. And he's very well aware of what I want and where I'm aiming. So once I finished my MA, I was really devoted to the idea that I want to help people study photography. And I wanted to do that at the university. A few years later, today when we were talking about it, and even before that, I can tell you that I'm not quite sure if the university is the right place for me. Because When I was there, there were many people that were not so dedicated to what they have signed up for. So I want to interact only with people that are truly devoted to this art. And George came up with the idea of the fashion photography podcast. And he was like, you know what, why don't you do it for everyone who wants to listen to it? And for those people that are interested in And I said to myself, this is probably the best idea ever, but I was super, super scared. I think it was about three years ago. We started with the podcast and the podcast is consisted of two different parts. So the first one is 
interviews with different people from the industry, whether photographers, retouchers, makeup artists, and so on. And we're talking about their craft and how they started with their business. And the second part of the podcast is actually me giving tips and advices to people on how to photograph, get along with other people or continue with their business and how to build it. It's funny because we started doing the records and I think I've, I've told you that in personal conversations, yes. but yeah, we delayed the publishing of the podcast for a whole year simply because I was hating my voice so bad. I hated my voice. <laughs> and it took a whole year and it's not like I'm regretting it. I think it was going to be beneficial even more for the people because there are some amazing photographers, amazing people from the industry. And I think the Friday episodes when I'm giving tips and tricks are even more engaging right now when the people can actually tell me what they want to listen to and what they're interested in. So this is the way the podcast started and it turned out uh, to be something very beautiful and the big part of our lives is like a full-time job. Yeah, along yeah with it my is. Other full -time I, I also job. Can, can talk from experience. As, uh, the production side is taking a lot of time with this a and lot people of time. underestimate it sometimes, but it is also fun to do. And I also like sharing uh, information and talking to people and that's the the plus side is to have that exchange with other people, which I yeah, enjoy. and and the listeners are so engaged; they are constantly commenting, and even more and more nowadays. Because I was in the past, I was really concerned that people were very shy and they're not sharing what they want to hear, and they're not making big conversation and discussions in the the fashion photography podcast group on Facebook. So I was really concerned about that. But I think it's taking a little bit of time and it's so rewarding when you're just waking up in the morning and you see new posts in the group and the people are there to help each other. Because for me, the biggest takeaway is that you're building a community of people that are interacting with each other and helping each other. And I'm very happy to say that our community is very positive. So yeah, for it me, is. That's and it's, it's also like I wouldn't want to go on Reddit, to be honest, and share valuable information because there are so many people just hating on other people. And it's great to have places uh, where people go to get inspired, where people go to actually listen and talk to each other. That's the actual value of the Internet is the community side. I completely agree. And I think the, the best part is that this is not only on the Facebook group, I think thanks to the podcast, I really hope I don't think about it. I really hope that the podcast is helping people to be honest and supporting, supportive to each other in the real world, because I can see people that are from the same city, uh, for example, in the group, and they're going for, let's say, the fashion week in another city. And someone is saying, hey, guys, do you, do you have a couch for me? And somebody else is going to answer, yes, so you can come over to my place. And these are real conversation, real people in the real life that are helping each other. And I think our industry can really benefit from this. 
yes. from people that are yes. positive. Definitely. I also tell people all the time, go on network and not social media networking, but real, like get to know people. And I have so many friends as well all over the world. So I can hit them up, especially like they offer me like, hey, what do you want to come over and stay at our place? And that's so valuable and also so pleasant to have friends in the industry. And these are long-term relationships. For example, if you are having a problem with a client, I hope you won't, but it happens from time to time. So if you're in a situation like this, you can always ask a retoucher, I'm sorry, a retoucher friend on what to do. And they can give you a real advice that is actually going to help you in the long term. I think it's it's a very valuable thing to, to build those relationships. Yeah. Also in person. Yeah, it is. I mean, getting to know people is the best thing about in general, I, I would say. I mean, there's work, but you also have a social life. And if they kind of overlap, that usually is the best thing for you to have peers, to have people to, yeah, as I said, like where you can go to when things go wrong, basically also in terms of business. So in personal life, you have your best friends to which you turn when things go wrong. And you also need business friends to which you can turn when things go wrong on the business side, because nobody in your personal area usually can help you with that. True. So this was it. Episode number 19 is over. Of course, we are going to continue our conversation with Virginia in the upcoming episode. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for the guys from retouchingpandas.com for sponsoring the episode. And I see or better hear you in the upcoming episode.